Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. What's up, guys? We are back with another week of news stock market, real estate, crypto, lots going on in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Q3 off to a good start. So far, so good. We're going to find out here. Uh, We're heading into one of your favorite seasons of all. Earnings season. Earnings season, baby. I love it. Obviously, why is earnings season so important for those that, you know, they, they know that the market fluctuates off of it, but like, why is it really that important to... It tells us if the companies that we're investing in are making money or not making money and then what they're expecting to do over the short term, midterm and long term. Um, so it's it's kind of like a if we didn't have earnings like reports, we would just have to guess and rely on that companies are just telling us 100 percent of the truth, 100 percent of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's a transparency model, first of all. But sec secondly, and probably most importantly, it lets us know what the companies are doing why they're doing it, where they're looking at investing, um, and then if there's any issues. And then because of the laws behind companies' uh, fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders, they have to tell them all the bad stuff too. So it's like, here's our good, here's our bad. And then people weigh that, and then the stocks either pop in price or go down in price or stay the same. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they pop and then go right back down to the median. Sometimes they dip and go pop right back up to the median. Sometimes they fly up, sometimes they fly down. I mean, we saw Walmart, like a really safe stock and uh, Target even drop by you know, 10, 15, 20% on bad reports. So they're important. They're not, well, you know, I mean, we'll take that back. They're kind of make or break but they're not the be-all, end-all, but they can start to the be-all, end-all. Mm. Like if it, it, it can show a company's cracks 
And if they continuously have quarter upon quarter upon quarter upon quarter of negative reports, it's probably just a bad place to invest. That's why when you hear like analysts or news media say sometimes, oh, the stock is so beaten up and it shouldn't be, generally it's because they've reported positive earnings and positive revenue growth and they have good uh, balance sheets and they have low PE but they're still down. Mm. So that tells us, oh, maybe there's, you know, this is fear-based selling or maybe people are just rotating out of this because it's in a sector that's getting rotation out of it. But that that's opportunities. Yep. So um, that's the long-winded answer uh, to that. But oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's one of those things, right, where it's very foreshadowing. Yep. And what I was going to ask you as a follow-up question to that was, how quickly does the market bake that in from the minute those are released? A lot of the times, so what people try to do is they like, I don't know, people, the market or the index or the stock or the sector that that said report, whatever it is, is affecting, tries to bake it in before. Um, there's limit on, you know, quote unquote, insider information but it still gets its little feelers out and about. And so you can see options activity normally is a good indicator of what might be happening. And then um, sometimes movement pre-market uh, before reports come out. But generally speaking, like I said, you can see a stock, like the second that news comes out, it'll just straight line up. Um, that's not a bad thing, but just sometimes the way it happens. Most of the time, that's what I see. It's either a snap down or a snap straight up. Um, sometimes, and very rarely, with bigger companies, if it's like, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, let me give you like a Facebook. So it's a company that got beat the hell up already, so it really doesn't have much further to go down. And they've already said they're going to have bad quarters. They report bad news, they're stabilized. They report bad news, it's stabilized. Oh, but we beat revenue okay, perfect. They're going to trend up and maybe go up a quarter percent that day. Mm. So there's stuff that happens like that as well. But um, I would anticipate, and what I've been hearing, is that analysts are going to give their estimates again. But this time, they're going to be more open to the outcome of their estimates being wrong and on the low side. And companies, even though their stock prices are down, reporting higher than ever, um, revenue, growth estimates, beats. And I don't know what that's going to do with um, inflation or, or sentiment, but I would assume that it's going to make people feel like inflation is cooling like it is and more in not just like feel it in their pocketbook, but actually like sentimentally, like mentally, psychologically, I understand, okay, look at that, that's good. That I believe is going to push people to say, okay, maybe it's time to start thinking about getting off the sideline. And here we are in July and I'm getting closer and closer to kind of that area that I was thinking that would probably be at the time when we're flipping on the um, kind of downside. I do think we still have some choppiness for equities. I do think growth equities are going to be a hard hit probably for the next short term, which means that if you're buying in that area and you're long term, keep buying is probably a good idea to do. Um, but for like my retirees and most other people, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm buying value stock. For myself, I'm buying the growth stuff, like you, the you hyper get, growth. You, you get I active. Can't, I can't stay away. Um, 
But for why can't you stay away? It's so cheap. It's like it's just so cheap. When I look out five years, because I don't, I don't, I don't treat my investments like a casino, which a lot of people, I like, ironically do, and they expect that they need. It's like they treat it like a casino, and they they like have non-casino mentality. Like when you go into the casino. You should go into the casino with the same mentality you go into your investments. That's healthy. I might lose all my money. Mm. Boom. That, hey, I can deal with that. But then treating your investments like a slot machine or a casino is not healthy. I'm not winning money. I, I did four hands. I've been invested for four months, two years. I'm not making a ton of money, so I'm going to go to this table. I'm going to go to this new machine. I'm going to buy this new fund. I'm going to buy this new stock. That's how you don't make money. And we rotate, but we don't like do it because we're not making money. We do it because there's a reason. No investment makes money 100% of the time. There's just not. Stuff can cash flow 100% of the time, um, but there can be repairs. There can be vacancy. There can be, there's all sorts of stuff. Nothing is perfect is my point. And so to, to treat your investments or act like, hey, I'm invested, so I, sh- I should always be able to make money. Because let me tell you the secret formula that everybody thinks works for investing that just doesn't. When the market starts to go down, I'm just going to sell and go to cash and then just wait for it to, to get better. And then I'm going to go back in. Duh. It's yeah, super easy. That's a no-brainer. What are you talking about? No-brainer, dude. It doesn't work that way, though. And when I tell that to people, they're like, what do you mean it doesn't work that way? Well, because by getting... This is why I have to explain them. By getting out of the market, you've just, you've just said that you just you know where the top of the market is, which you probably didn't, so you're wrong there. So now you got out too early. You're not getting paid yield on your cash anymore, so that's not a good spot to be, especially if inflation is at 6 7 8 9%. And um, you're going to try to time the market and get back in. I mean, I just tell people, just well, watch what rich people do. The billionaires of the world, do you know how they're billionaires? They don't sell their damn investments. They just buy more. Why don't they sell them? Because they're not shitty investments. It's that simple. I mean, it is like, that's the simple way to do it. You can't just expect to be in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. There's no way to do that. What, what about the person who goes, well, I need that money to be able to go and invest more? Bullshit. Because if the market was going up, you'd leave it alone. So I know that that's not true. I'll look anybody dead in the eye and tell them that. And they'll know deep in their heart that I'm telling them the truth. Bullshit. Because if we were up 30% right now, you wouldn't be saying a damn word and you'd be leaving it alone. That's real. So you just, that's not true. I'm not scared to tell people the truth. I know that that's not the reason. They're being emotional with their money. Oh, something we've also talked about. Why is it so bad to be emotional with your money? Because then you make emotional decisions with an item that is, it's, it's an item that has zero emotion to be attached to it. It does not care about you. It doesn't matter what you do. It's a tool. People tend to use money and they're like the worst at using it. And for some reason, they think they're the best. You know, people living paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. bad at using money. Those are the same people that make the bad investment decisions. The same idiots that are like, oh, the stock market's going down. I'm going to throw my money 100% into gold. Oh, speaking of gold, I got my man Peter Schiff. I told you Peter Schiff was an idiot. 
one of your favorite economists. Gold's down to 1700 an ounce. I think it was like 1900 last time he made his call. Get my gold. So he put out a tweet the other day. It made me think of you because you and I are short and shallow I mean, he's not on our recession predictions. He's a nice guy. Anyone thinking this recession will be mild doesn't understand recessions. The longer interest rates are held too low during a boom, the more mistake that must be corrected during a bust. Sure. Since rates have never been so low for so long, this recession will be the most severe yet. That was just about to be my point. Good job, Peter. So since, since this has never happened before, let's let everybody rely on you to tell us exactly what's going to happen because, oh man, fuck. Your track record is sparkly clean and completely on par with being right. Wrong. Peter Schiff has not done very well in the last decade in the market because the market does completely different things than it did a long time ago. He hasn't adapted to the fact that markets move quicker. Tactical asset allocation is now kind of the key. And the old moniker where passive asset management beats tactical is completely flipped on its head now. And tactical asset management actually beats passive because we do want to move. We just want to move to different areas of the market. You have to be very careful when you get people that say stupid things like that because essentially, let me, let me digest that or, or give it to you how I hear it. And let me forego, for, front load it with this. We have never had an interest rate environment like we have. And we also have never gone through, we also normally when the market was bad, historically we didn't cut interest rates. The opposite was done. We raised interest rates. That's how they've staved off recessions. So to say that that doesn't work anymore because we just started cutting interest rates is silly. And to say that because we haven't been here before, so now this is going to happen, that's ignorant. That's so stupid. It's the equivalent of people like in your world saying, oh, because 2000, because the stock market went down in 2008 and, and bonds are doing bad right now. Shit, real estate has to go with it. Interest rates are going up. So the, the housing market has to crash. Mm-hmm. And, and they're so short-sighted on, on the, the broad set of data that's available that if you apply all of it, it makes sense. We had we went through this in COVID when we were talking when you could take any there was so much data available. If you picked slices of it, you could tell any story you wanted to tell. Yeah. Uh, that's that's exactly what's going on right now. And and the the hard part when it's in my job and in your job too, especially with your syndications and all the other stuff. You have to rely on the professionals. And man, I'll say this right now, especially if people on here are listening and if you're my client or if you're working with another advisor, stop trying to act like the professional. You are not. I don't need people to call me and tell me what's going on. Trust me, I know. I don't need people to call me and tell me, oh, hey, you know, the accounts are down and I'm thinking, mm, big mistake. My job's to think. Your job is to do. So th- there's... It's hard to do that. And this is where it comes down to not being emotional with your money, understanding it's a long-term investment, real estate, stocks, syndications, your house. I mean, the easiest thing to think about, guys, is your house. 
who owned a home in 2008? Who paid their mortgage still? Is your house okay? Slashed in maybe 30 to 50% in value, maybe more depending on your market. Maybe you just got back to break even in the past four years. That's a real, that's a reality for some people. Mm -hmm. Is your house okay? Your house still work? Huh. Interesting, right? Interesting how that is, isn't it? You got to so ride that long term. It's, it's so, it's just stocks do it quicker and, and, and that cycle happens a lot faster and it happens more often. And so that is a hard thing for retail investors to grasp. And that's what we're going through right now. You'll see a big, a big transfer of wealth happen to people that have been patient, to people who listen to the advice of their professionals and for people who continuously deploy their plan and do not get, um, I don't know, discouraged by what's going on. When I've, I follow, it's, uh, it's like Warren Buffett quotes or something like that on um, Instagram. And it's just a bunch of cool videos of Warren Buffett, you know, speaking at conferences and, you know, shareholder meetings and all kinds of stuff. And I would probably say at some point in time and whatever the little clip is, eight out of 10 clips is him talking long-term. If you can't be long-term, you shouldn't be investing. Like it's all like, it's always about this long-term disciplined, like what he talks about is, I mean, don't get me wrong, dudes, you know, he's the Oracle. He's, he's smart as hell. And obviously he understands the game of money at a really high level, but so much of it, as you hear him talk over and over and over again, it's, it's very narrow. It's not some like wide range of insane strategy and data and information that, you know, you got to consistently keep pivoting and adapting and moving and tweaking and doing all this kinds of stuff. Like it's, it's some very basic levers, but all on the foundation of long-term investing. If you look at one of the largest hedge funds in the world, like Bridgewater, yep, they mainly just buy ETFs. I don't know if anybody knows that. But like, for those that have heard of Bridgewater and Ray Dalio and the most successful hedge fund in the world, right? I was at, I was asking plus billion dollar fund. I was asking you. I was like, you know, why he's he's one of the best and da da da. And you're like, oh no, he's great. But like, they're not they're not like doing something that is so earth shattering and groundbreaking. No, they just buy. They literally are. They're like mini Warren Buffett. They literally just take capital and they have a diversified allocation model. So they, they buy ETFs, mainly Vanguard ETFs and State Street funds, and they diversify through ETFs. They very rarely buy individual stocks. And normally when they do, it's like bonds or one-offs of high qualities like, I don't know, like Microsoft or Apple or something like that. So... It's not like they're the, the big, one of the biggest hedge funds in the world it keeps it simple because it works. The thing is, it works. It's, if it didn't work, they wouldn't be able to do it. But mm -hmm. I swear, I tell people all the time, it's not sexy, but it freaking works. It's not the sexiest thing in the world. It's not, you're not buying individual stocks and being a stock picker and like, oh man, I made 600%. But man, you're not down like me 60% right now. For someone, 
What is the most ideal level of investment allocation in your world, right? Like obviously you and I talk about having the holistic approach of life insurance and real estate investments and equities. But like if if somebody had some level of disposable income, you know, what would be in your world? I know it depends on the person's age and their goals and all that kind of stuff. But let's just say over the next 12 months, what would be a of someone's disposable income, a strategic and intelligent allocation of that disposable income into what? I That's just a really hard question. I, I get asked stuff like that all the time. And my answer, to, to be as simple as I can, is you need to tr- invest a percentage of your gross income to assets and long-term do that. And then there's a blend on those assets. So I'll just, I don't know what blend of the assets I would do, but as a whole, I normally say like 15% of people's income is a really good place to do. That'll get it to where you have a robust amount of assets in retirement so that you can make a decision based on what you want to do. I will try to put most of that money for people towards non-qualified areas. Mm. So brokerage accounts, life insurance, real estate, because that gives them the most power to then invest, excuse me, invest. Well, I guess invest, but also um, choose when they want to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, qualified accounts, most of them have age 59 and a half restrictions. Right. So you're kind of just setting yourself up to retire at the yeah. earliest age 60. So if you can get your assets to a level where you don't need to wait that long and we can you know, quantify with data that it works and we can do that. I mean, I just have a, I have a plan for an individual right now that called in. He he may be listening to the podcast this week, but he's going to try to retire at 45 and he's like, you know, 30. But his, I was like, I don't know, man. He's like, I only want, you know, a reasonable amount of money per month and I'm going to have it, you know. What's a reasonable amount to him? uh, Around six grand. Oh, okay. Six yep. grand a month coming in. Yep, that's all. And then he's going to continue to work on his real estate, but he want, that's all he needs to, to, to live financially independent, and then he can scale he, he, from he there. He ain't got no kids, does he? No. No, no kids, no wife. No kitties. <laughs> okay, I was going to so, say, because that's, that's a thin budget for a 45-year-old. But where this person lives, cost of living, yeah, that would make Difference, sense. Sure. Yep, yep. And that... That makes sense to that person, and I and I ran the data, and I, it'll work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll work. It's not like it won't work. And um, so, what does he need to do to get there? Um, around just about thirty grand a year. Okay, and that's doable. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, what I told him is like, you know, we need to shoot in the next fourteen years to get to like a million bucks, somewhere around there. A little bit more would be better, and then I can generate, you know, around fifty to sixty grand starting passive income off of that. And as long as your real estate can cover the rest, we can dance. Um, That person, I tried to see if insurance worked, doesn't work. You need to put way too much money and that just wouldn't be a good idea for him because he needs liquidity. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, it's doable. There's a plan for everybody. What I would tell you, anybody listening to this, if you haven't taken the leap so far, all you have to do is start and be consistent and then don't stop. Yep. It's almost like 
act like it's a 15-year, 20-year mortgage. And if you can commit to it like that and don't stop, in 15 or 20 years, you can stop working. Well, and as you start to increase your income as well, you can layer on more on top of that, right? Like, but oh, yeah. at least at a bare minimum, like you Correct. and I are opening up a new one. Um, it's like, how much more can I continue to layer in without it impacting my lifestyle and without it, you know, making me feel, I think any investment should make you feel some level of uncomfort. Sure. In a good way. Yeah, because growth is uncomfortable. But not at the expense of, you know, um, you shouldn't be like, like sacrificing your life to where you are. That's what I also tell people, like, you should want to do this, but like, it's got to be like mentally supportive of a, of or else you're not going to yeah. want to do it or consistently over money. a long-term yeah. period. Yeah. And then you're probably going to stop it or yeah. whatever yeah. it may be. Right. Yeah. And I also, that's why I tell people with your brokerage account, Hey, fund it for three or four years, get a hundred grand in there. And then when we have a year where we make 20 or 30%, Go do that trip and take two or three grand out and upgrade your trip to like the experience level. Reward yourself mm -hmm. for doing that hard thing. Yeah. Because then when you look at that account, it doesn't, it's it's not just a piece of paper with a number on it, which is what most people's life is dictated because that's a 401k yeah. or just an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, they're not educated on the other assets like real estate, like life insurance, like a brokerage account, or how all three of those can get you to like an almost a net zero, if not a net zero tax bracket. Talking about retired. that education piece, you know, when people take advantage of the free financial x-ray, mm -hmm. which obviously we've had thousands of listeners, you know, call in or text in um, to get a free financial x-ray from you and your team on their existing portfolio. And if you haven't done that, just text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. You'll be able to connect with Ryan and his team. They'll ask you to send over basically your portfolio documents, your accounts. They'll go through it with a fine tooth comb. They'll give you feedback on where you're getting feed or overfeed or, you know, based on what goals you're saying you want to achieve and when you want to achieve them by, right, that high level. This is all something that we do um, for our Millionaire Mindcast listeners for free. But how many of those people are in qualified accounts that really should be in a more holistic, you know, 60% varied approach on the non-qualified side. I would say six out of 10. Wow. And then, um, so they're just basically locked into this mentality that I am going to just keep investing and retire or, by the time I'm 60. Or, uh, I won't say any names, but somebody that is a good buddy of yours that is just kind of, Hey, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. We're putting, you know, we're maxing out 401ks and my wife's maxing out 403b. And I was like, why? Well, you know, because we get a 50% match up to 6%. I said, great. So why aren't you stopping at 6% and putting all the money in non-qualified accounts? Mm -hmm. People almost like tilt on their head when I say that. And I'm like, you're going to like get, you know, you're going to increase your taxable liability by 30 grand a year, right? 20% of 30 grand. Oh my gosh, $6,000. Yeah. But you're going to pay like 80% less in taxes when you retire over your lifetime because you'll pay capital gains only on earnings. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize yep. that like your 401k it doesn't have a cost basis. Cost basis is zero. 100% of the dollars in there are taxable. I am not preaching against 401ks. 
I want to be very clear when I do that because there's a lot of people that- There's a formula to to leveraging the vehicle to its highest and best use, right? Correct. And really how I tell people to use their 401ks that want to retire um, early is almost like deferred annuities. It's, hey, I'm retiring at 45, but I'm going to put 5% of my income into my company's 401k and then shovel everything else into non-qualified assets because it's free money. Mm -hmm. And like, there's also a level of like, that's stupid not to take free money. Maybe you have a Roth option in your uh, 401k. Put all your money into the Roth and take all the free money into the the match side, which is not going to be tax-free, but get free money. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when we're 60, you got an S egg sitting there. That's just emergency fund. Um, but I, I, like I said, I prefer individuals or married couples do a single or, or joint brokerage account, do a life insurance retirement plan. And then I like to try to look at real estate. And I don't bill on real estate. I like to be very clear. Matt knows that. I have licensing to where if... I needed to or wanted to, I could, man, I could go out to syndicators all over the United States. Hey, slap my freaking licensing and credentials on here and I'll bill a tenth of a basis point mm-hmm. on this plan. Matt knows of advisors that do that. Yep. I just don't do that because I'm here to provide value and like, I know Matt. I know Matt's quality at what he does. I know the assets that Matt buys are quality. So I have somebody that I can use an alternative asset that I don't have to do anything with he does all the heavy lifting and it's somebody I can feel safe sending money mm-hmm. to, right? Why would I bill on that? It's almost like when people put their money in cash. We don't bill on cash. Right. Some people are like, why the fuck don't you bill on cash? Because what am I doing? Yeah. Well, it's that value-based approach that it's, it's the value. lifetime yeah. value of a relationship. Yep. And just like when I send you clients, right? I'm not, hey, where's my commission? You know, my referral check, well, exactly. right? Like it's just, it's I not the right anyway, approach. You, you know want to bring value. You want to build alliances. You want to yep. create relationships. Like people that, that, when you're not keeping score on those kinds of things, your scoreboard looks a lot better over the long-term value versus you trying to nickel and dime someone along the way. 100%. Even when people... You know, a lot of people always ask, oh, how long have you been doing your podcast? I'm like, it's not my podcast. I'm on Matt's podcast. I'm one of his like... It's our episode. It's our episode. That's it, what I say. We do a segment. It's like our segment. Absolutely. Like, it's Matt's podcast. I've been... I, it's Matt's been doing it for six... Over six years. Six and a half years. Yeah. I've been doing it for two and a half years with him. So yeah. it's, it's the um, going back to just being, you know, long-term... And, and long-term on your investments and your relationship and how you treat your money and how you use your money, those tend to be more successful. They're just not as um, upfront. They take time. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's the, it's the eighth wonder of the world. The yeah. compound effect is not something that is sexy in week one. It's no. not sexy in week, you know, 20. Nope. But I, week 4,000, that shit's real sexy. Yeah, I, the, the easiest way to like explain to people is like, if you make a 10% return on $1,000, that is 100 bucks. But if you, if you make a 10% return on a million dollars, that's $100,000. It's the same rate of return. Mm-hmm. It's just a bigger asset getting that rate of return. Yep. And one thing that, again, why real estate is so good in conjunction with traditional assets is because 99% of the time, you do not use leverage in traditional assets. They are sweat equity built. 
you, that's the reason that they take more time. Flipping that on its head, you can use leverage and get cash flow and other benefits that you can't get from traditional assets from real estate. Mm-hmm. If you put them together, Ooh. they generally fill gaps that the other one doesn't do. Absolutely. You should long-term make a higher annualized rate of return on your money from your traditional assets because that's what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You should make way more cash flow and you should make way more in tax benefits from your real estate. And then you kind of have these little buckets floating out there that are for emergencies. They're not perfect for emergencies, but shit. If I got 600 grand sitting in an asset and I know I can redeploy that, I'd rather take 600 grand out Mm tax-free and deploy that then take it out of my brokerage account, get smacked over the head with 20% in taxes, right? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So there's all these things where they, they, they so complement each other, but a lot of the people are so stuck on one or the other because you're getting advice from somebody who's not thinking holistically. You're getting advice from somebody who just does real estate. You're talking to people about insurance that just and only can sell you insurance. You're talking to an advisor that can only manage your money. That's the issue. That's the root problem, is not working with people in your circle that are a circle. They're a triangle. They don't complete the, they don't, they're not in, they don't have a full rounded approach. They have a portion of it and they act like they're the, they're the be all end all, but all of it leads right back to them. Everything always leads back to them. Ah, you got to buy this product. Oh, you have to do this investment through me. Oh, you have to do this. That's a big red flag to me. Yeah. And that's traditionally what most people deal with. And if you want to upgrade your investment life, 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you can get on the syndications list with Matt. Text the word syndication to that. Deals. Deals, excuse me. You can text both words. Shit, it'll work. <laughs> um, um, Deals and x-ray for uh, Ryan and myself. Yeah. Those are, it's important to, to work with people that are holistic. And, and 
you can get the free, no cost, no obligation look behind that. You can check if you're an accredited investor, you can check out what a pitch deck looks like. You mm -hmm. can see it yep. audited. I've seen a lot of them. I have not seen as many. Matt has his audit. And the last one that was so funny on the San Antonio one was that it was like, there's, they projected more on portions of their audit than you did on your pitch deck. And so they were like, oh, yeah, we definitely think this is good because we actually think it'll do better in this spot, yeah. better in this spot. And actually, long term, that's what you're supposed to do, though. I always tell people. Yeah, like, just based on your assumptions, you just got to you got to notify people what your assumptions are, just like as you go through someone's plan, right? And you guys look at the data and what the data is telling you, you want to be conservative under promise over deliver. Yep. But you want to make sure that you do right stewarding people's capital because this is a long-term game. You're 30, I'm 34. We're going to be doing this for a really long time. If you want to keep growing with people that are continuing to sharpen their axe and whether you want to grow specifically with us or around us, right? That's the beauty of the Millionaire Mindcast community is we're looking to connect other like-minded people who share in these long-term goals, long-term habits, long-term disciplines that ultimately serve you unlocking whatever your definition of wealth, a rich, wealthy life looks like. Yep. And it doesn't have to be all driven by money, but money is the gasoline that fuels whatever that vision is. And we yep. want you to go and make as much of it as possible. And one at of the whatever things, level you want. At whatever level you want. <laughs> and one of the things that we're going to be doing here is in the Millionaire Mindcast community, getting more people together, um, getting more networking opportunities, more relationship building opportunities. If you haven't put your name on the Napa list, I know many of you are all around the country, all around the world. And we got to close you, it out soon too, because we got to get some dates down and it's, it's, I have it all lined up. It's going to be very good. So we got some exciting stuff lined up for that. And we're thinking of doing that in September. Yeah, September. September is a small cost. Um, I'm gonna try to call some of the hotels. I'll just tell you right now that uh, this trip is should be if you go on it, it should be for somebody who's somewhat established, has a decent, you know. Yeah, we'll send out we'll an, send email out an email that, that, that kind of gives who, you who yeah, it's for, yeah. what we're gonna be doing. You know what the cost is going to be, and again, the cost is going to be very reasonable. Yeah, it's just um, to cover the it's just, winery cost. It's just a day trip. Yep. Um, I would suggest you staying overnight at a hotel, but yeah. you're going to get to be around other wealth builders, other investors, Napa Valley, tasting world class wine, world class conversations, and ultimately talking about, you know, how you're going to take your wealth building to that next level. So. That's going to be just a little day trip. If you want to know more about that and get on our email list, we're going to be releasing some more information. Just text the word Napa. And then we got the tour of Tahoe Mastermind. Um, and that's going to be, we'll be going around Lake Tahoe, staying at some of my different hotels, doing some epic adventures, have some great speakers, some cool workshops, really cool activities. Um, and that'll be more of a three to four day event um, in October. So you can text the word Tahoe to 844-447-1555. Before we wrap up today, um, you know, crypto is always a, yeah. a, a quick little, you know, space to touch on. We saw three arrows, multi-billion dollar shop, That's BK, yeah. Voyager Digital, a big broker, BK. Uh, Bitcoin has, you know, been floating around below and above, yeah. you know, that $20,000 threshold. Ethereum's been struggling and kicking, our, you know, the can uh, across horizontally. What are we seeing in the crypto market right now? The Fed has talked about releasing the digital dollar. 
and or digital currency for the U.S., you know. At the G20, they just said that they're all going to likely in October release as a, as a, the G20 is, you know, top 20 nations in the United, not the United States huh. world. Um, they're going to release crypto regulation sometime this fall. Um, it doesn't look great. It essentially makes it so that crypto is a little more plain vanilla than it is and kind of makes the the sexiness that gives it the octane mm-hmm. kind of go away. Um, the one that they're mainly going kind of towards and after is stable coins and Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and Well, I'll take that back with the Bitcoin. The cryptos that are trying to be currencies. So no pun intended, crypto currencies mm-hmm. because there's DeFi, decentralized finance, there's blockchain technology. That stuff has got some validity and some long-term, but I told you guys NFTs were bullshit and they're not going to go anywhere. And that market's completely imploded on itself. It's doing absolutely nothing. I mean, Chevy literally released an NFT for one of their cars and said like, oh yeah, whoever the highest bidder of this NFT is not only gets this NFT, but gets this car, zero bidders. <laughs> I mean, zero. I'm not, I'm not over over exaggerating or under zero people bid it on it. Nobody fucking cares about a stupid picture. Well, I told people that was the dumbest thing ever. It's a computer generated fucking JPEG. Well, there's, there's, I think people are attaching utility beyond just a, a JPEG to it. There's community, there there's you, access, there's yeah, that's, events and resources. You can but do it's, that with just like putting your name on a list and paying $500 a year. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's, it's just like it, it's making it way more complicated mm-hmm. than it needs to be. Yeah, there's still lots to, to be unpacked there. Um, we've been, if you've been paying attention, seeing some interesting stuff come out about corrupt governments getting overthrown Sri Lanka this last Sri weekend. Lanka, man, they, they straight January 6th, that shit, except they were sleeping in the bed of the president. Yeah, they, they <laughs> were not playing around. No. The Dutch farmers, you know, they're, they're starting that, to yeah. see a food shortage and, you know, a lot of the regulations and, you know, kind of what many people are saying is just corrupt globalist, you know, agenda and policy. Um, impacting Dutch farmers, impacting their food and, you know, supply chain. China's got lockdowns again, going pretty aggressive again. 30 million people locked down again. It'll We're be sp- that way until they figure out or like just admit like you cannot have zero COVID. It's like trying to get the flu to zero or... or yeah, which is what I don't understand why they're still like beating this drum. But Well, actually, I, I do, I do I understand. They're, doing it. they're trying to brainwash people to let them know how much power they have. I was going to say, yeah, they're, they are exercising their, you know, communist control yeah. at the highest of levels. Fuck that country. But man. I think we're starting to see, ultimately, you know, some of those are... Some of those concerns in terms of supply chain, labor, manufacturing, especially being that China is one of the leaders for us, um, you know, that that's potentially going to trickle back into the U.S. I'm curious to see how that's going to show up in numbers. 30% of their economy is supported by us buying their shit. So it's kind of like a... They can't. They can't stop and and. But at the same time, they're also you know they've they've inched in front of us in many categories. I think that that is, I think that's what a lot of people think. I don't. I don't buy that. I think that they're just a currency manipulator and that they make up numbers that will eventually have to be backed. But there's hundreds of like 
cities in that country that are just nothing and mm -hmm. they just build them so that they can show construction loans happening for foreign investment. Yep. And it's like a big money laundering. Like they're that that country economically, it is known they're a currency manipulator. Yeah. So, and they're labeled that by the World Economic uh, Forum. Right. So like, and the uh, International Monetary Fund labels them a currency manipulator as well. I don't trust anything that China says. The only thing that I know about China is that they're a big country. They treat their people terribly and they got decent food. Yeah, Chinese food is in fuego. It Not going to lie. Good. Reports this week that we'll be keeping an eye on for you guys. Biggest one is going to be CPI. Yeah, and I, I've been saying this to people and I'll, I'll just touch on it again. Headline CPI, which is the bigger number, is going to be the one that, that uh, is talked about and, and is argued as more important. I will argue the opposite and tell you that core CPI is more important. And the biggest difference between the two is, liter is literally the energy prices and food prices are taken out of core CPI, which those are the most volatile metrics of, of CPI. So food and energy are excluded from core, Correct. which gives it less volatility. Correct. And historically, if you those play back, off of each other, mm -hmm. they are kind of gasoline, you know, on gasoline, on gasoline. Yeah. They, they kind of, so. They bounce off each other. But those are also up. two of the most important variables Not in all of this. That's why they still keep CPI. Yeah. But like, go look at what actual inflation averaged historically. And what headline CPI said it was going to be and what core CPI said it was going to be. And you tell me which one was historically closer. And every single time it's core CPI. Yeah. I think uh, that what I, what I, I, don't, I don't like the fact, this is why I tell people you can't make investment decisions based off the news. People are like, inflation's rising. No, it's not. Core CPI is down. And that's, that is what we track. That that is that is what you in the financial markets track more than smart consumer. Money, smart money tracks core, core versus consumer. Yeah, I mean because because but core or consumer though is ultimately. I mean we're talking food and travel and hotels and like there's so many things that fall into the category. Important things for consumers that fall into the food and or a lot of those bucket, are discretionary right? though. Mm -hmm. I had to, to, to also counter that. Travel is discretionary. Right. It, it really is. That's why there's a spike in oil prices in the summer months in, the, in North America because that's a discretionary mm -hmm. activity. Um, that should not be baked into the long term what is inflation. That's almost like saying, look at the real estate market in January and saying that that's how it's going to be the whole year. Knowing that in the spring months and in the fall months, it spikes up because of the weather, yeah. essentially. So it's, you have to like understand those relationships. Um, I give it the same relationship when I talk about the S&P 500 being market cap weighted versus equal weighted. Equal weight S&P is what a lot of people track versus the market cap weight because everybody knows, or not everybody, you should know that if there's a market, you know, technology is doing good and you have, an, you have an index that goes overweight there, that index is probably going to do better than the equal weight, but the equal weight gives you an overall picture of how the market is actually doing without giving preference to anyone. So what's area. your prediction, up or down? For what? Core or consumer? I think we're going to get a, a 0.6 print on core. I don't know. I don't know headline. I honestly don't care. I think they said 1.1. If, if, 
I would expect it to be closer to 0.9, but I don't track that one very much. Mm. And so I don't, I honestly don't care. We do have uh, small business confidence coming out on Tuesday. Yep, also cool. on Wednesday, we got mortgage purchase apps. We got the Federal Reserve Beige Book, which is basically just there. You should see mortgage applications go up because there was a drop consecutively in rates. In rates. Yep. And I also think people are getting their last hoorah. Yeah, rates uh, are gonna. Yeah, because rates are should moderately go up and continue to stay up for the for the foreseeable future. I think we'll be over nine percent by the end of the year. Oh Lord, I don't know if we'll be that high. But that, I hope not. That is that is one of my aggressive predictions. I don't think it'll be that high. Thursday, initial weekly unemployment claims, and Friday we got retail sales and uh, consumer sentiment. So, with that being said, we'll keep you guys posted. Not a whole lot has changed on the real estate side of things. Of course, you got rates dropping a little bit. Um, a park apartment vacancy dropped in Q2. Shocker there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we are seeing some, you know, markets of supply slowly increase, but at the end of the day, nothing to write home about. So yeah. stay tuned. We'll have more updates for you guys in next week's episode. As always, we love y'all. Millionaire Mindcast fam mm-hmm. to the moon. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review in iTunes. And if you haven't texted Napa, texted Tahoe, texted X-Ray, or texted Deals to 844-447-1555, be sure to do so. And uh, someone from our team will reach out to you guys. Till next week. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that X-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.